Hello and welcome to All Things Women's Health. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Stroud. I'm an obstetrician gynecologist. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, I'm a small business owner, I'm a Catholic, I'm a lot of things. But right now, I'm your host as we talk about really all things women's health. From childbirth to infertility, from pregnancy loss to menopause, from personal trainers to homeschooling curriculums. If it involves women and their health, it's on our agenda. And joining me today are two very special people, one of whom I'll bet most of our listeners already know, uh, certified nurse midwife Rachel Mayo and her husband Colin. Are we going to talk about all things nurse midwifery? Maybe, uh, but even much more than that, we're going to talk about their rather colorful experiences with their births, their birth plans, um, and how they coped with the need to change those birth plans. Sometimes those changes can be dramatic and radical, and we're going to talk about that today. So get comfortable as we get to know a lot more about Rachel and her husband, Colin, and their journey to here, to midwifery, to parenthood, and to understanding when plans change. We'll be right back with all things women's health. Well, Rachel and Colin, welcome to All Things Women's Health. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so not it's not every day that parents sit down and talk about their all their birth journeys. So No. <laughs> I'm hoping that the next one won't be worth talking about. Oh, <laughs> boringly mundane. Yes. So, I mean, let's start maybe with a little bit about birth plans in general. Sure. Um, so, you know, I think we hear uh, patients in our practice Sometimes mm-hmm. we'll say, or they've been told, don't plan your birth. It's just a waste of time. Plans are going to yes. change, and yeah. then you'll be disappointed. And whenever I hear right. that, I'm tempted to say, would you offer that same advice about your wedding? You know, right, right. <laughs> we yeah. tend to plan big things, but we if do. you're if you're going to get married outside in June, you plan for rain. You know, you build mm-hmm. in some contingencies. But mm-hmm. what what's your experience been in your career with birth planning in general? Sure. So. So I would echo that and would agree that there can be some cynicism surrounding birth planning, like, yeah. oh, here's the birth plan, let's just you know, put that in the shredder. <laughs> uh, but I do think that it is such a worthwhile endeavor to think about planning your birth. Um, it helps you flesh out with your partner, your husband, with your family, what you want your birth to look like. Mm-hmm. And once you've got a framework to go off of, you can adjust that to whatever your circumstance might be, but you have to know what's important to you and what you want out of that experience. Yeah, I always say to patients, if if you don't know what you want, we won't know how to get it for you. And we won't know if we were successful or not because we don't know what the goal was. Sure. Uh, And it it can be challenging. And I sometimes think the process of the birth plan Mm -hmm. is more important than the plan. Yes, I would agree. Does it matter to you who gives the baby their first bath? I don't know. We never thought of it. Well, suddenly now you're thinking of it. Sure. Um, But it it can be tricky. It can. It can take some work. So, you know, travel back in time to um, the two of you pregnant for the first time. Do Do you remember thinking, what do we want our birth to look like? Or did you just... What did you think then? So we did have a birth plan oh. with our first. We actually had a doula uh, with Evelyn. And and so we did have a very formal birth plan. So Colin is a non-medical spouse. Do you remember things that I, Rachel was asking you about birth planning? I remember mainly debating the question of whether or not to do a water birth at home. Because at the oh, time, we were yes. living in a duplex, but it was split. Oh, yes. <laughs> It was split upper floor, lower floor, and we had the upper floor. So there was a lot of debate about whether the upper floor could hold a tub of water that size. Right. And we ended up deciding it wasn't worth the potential mess and uh, all of that. I don't know if that's why we didn't decide to do a home (laughs) birth. That's what I remember. uh, So so we had actually interviewed a home birth midwife group, and we lived in Columbus, Ohio at the time. Yeah. And I had always thought that I would have a home birth. I just, when I get pregnant, I'm having a home birth. That's just is what it's going to be. But something inherently didn't sit right as I was interviewing this home birth midwife. I was like, I've always thought you you would be who I had my baby with, this group. Um, But it just didn't feel Hmm. right. And so that was the first time that we probably made a change to our plans. And and just listening to my intuition, Uh I said, I don't know why, but I think I need 
to be in a hospital setting. Mm. I mean, that's probably, it's not exactly on our topic, but it seems like a really important takeaway for listeners that are thinking about, maybe they're not even pregnant yet, mm-hmm. uh, this idea that I'm going to do a little bit of investigation mm-hmm. before I pick my provider mm-hmm. group, and I might even go and interview them. Yes. Uh, yeah. And if you tried to have a, a visit like that and they weren't interested, that might be something that yeah. you'd want to know. <laughs> that might be a red flag. Yeah. I think I would argue the same is true of pediatric providers. Yes. If they don't want to talk to you about your questions now, maybe they don't want to talk to you exactly. about them later as well. Exactly. So you yeah. made a big change right early on. We in did. And I and I still I loved them as a group. I loved talking with them and meeting with them. It yeah. just it just didn't feel didn't right. Feel. And I had to listen to that yeah. gut feeling. So you changed to from that to maybe a more traditional? Yeah, so we switched to a planned hospital birth. Mm-hmm. They offered water birth at the hospital, so uh-huh. that was interesting to me. And it was a midwifery-based group. Uh, okay. Uh, so I still got a lot of what I wanted. It was the uh-huh. hospital I was working at, and that felt like the right fit for that pregnancy. Yeah, do you remember any of those early conversations? Um, I think because most spouses are going to be non-medical spouses typically. Um, do you remember those conversations and thinking, you know, am I supposed to know this stuff? I don't seem to. <laughs> I I went into it with the attitude, this is her area of expertise. Sure. I'm going to defer to her knowledge. I, you know, I think you did, you did pretty much all the planning and I was just there to do whatever I had to do to make it happen. I find that's particularly a good strategy for family vacations as well. Uh, (laughs) A little bit off the topic, but if listeners need advice there, I think that strategy works beautifully. The stronger, the stronger both people's opinions are, the harder it is to decide what you're going to do. Yeah. But you were, uh, you, I remember reading a couple books together just Uh, to help. mm -hmm talk through things Uh and to help you understand what was going on, what was happening, what the options were. And and so I always felt like you were very involved Mm -hmm. with the decision making. Do you remember if there was something that stood out to you in that first pregnancy that was really critical? We just have to do this or not do this. No, um, I just wanted to come home with a healthy wife and a healthy baby. <laughs> right. And and to be honest, you know, we'll we'll get to this part of it. But to be honest, I'm sure there is a lot of stuff actually that I probably could have answered on that. Yeah. But I forget almost all of it because what overshadows all of it is what ended up happening ah, in, yes. in reality. Yes. Yes. So Our reality was a was a different. Very one. different. <laughs> so you progress through pregnancy. You're planning yeah. as you go. Yeah. Um, you think you've got things kind of figured out. Oh, I thought I had him totally figured out. Are you kidding? Yeah. And spoiler alert, things took a turn. They did. We better talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I was the definition of a healthy, low risk pregnancy. And as a young woman, I I mean, I had never had any reason for medical care. So why would pregnancy be any different? Sure. Uh, So there's this sort of invincibility that I think I carried into labor and birth. Why wouldn't I have a normal delivery? And it took a big shift in my Mindset, and there was this vulnerability that came with the changes that happened that I had to reckon with. Mm. And at the time, you were a nurse in the neonatal intensive care unit, right? I was. Uh, and so you saw when things oh, sure. don't always go well. Yeah. But you thought. But it wasn't going to happen to That's me. That's not me. Right. right. Why would I have any reason to suspect that? <laughs> well, then share with listeners how, how things started to go. So uh, I was 35 weeks pregnant, 35 mm-hmm. weeks and. Uh, Four days, and uh, and I developed severely high blood pressure to mm. the point that I actually had uh, not one but two eclamptic seizures. Wow! And uh, and so with, that was with what, any warning. Um, uh, I would I would say almost no warning. Now mm. the plot thickens as it a always few, does. A few hours uh, of warning. Yeah, I so in in working in the NICU, I was having neck and shoulder pain from mm. working in the isolates all the time. And so I went to the chiropractor for the very first time ever. Uh, He did an adjustment. He said, okay, a lot of patients are a little sore the next day. You may or may not have a headache. Mm -hmm. I went to work a night shift. One of the nurses, one of the seasoned nurses took one look at me and she said, you look swollen. She -hmm. said, what, what is your blood pressure? And and I was offended. Of <laughs> I said, course, oh, what? <laughs> I said, I was seen this week in the office. My blood pressure is fine. I know I look a little puffy, but I'm pregnant. Aren't I supposed to uh, look a little puffy? Sure. Uh, so she knew. She took one look at me and she said, you are a, one sick lady. <laughs> and I blew her off. Um, mm. She still doesn't let me live that down. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I went home. I went to bed. 
Uh, so this is going into the daytime hours. I was on night shift, and I woke up with a headache. Uh-huh. And uh, and I and I think I called you, you next. Called me. I called him. I said, "Gosh, my head it really hurts." I was complaining yeah. about it. And I think I, so. I think I'll pick up from here because <laughs> we'll see why in a moment. Well. <laughs> Yeah, you you offered to come home. I well, no, I I think you had complained about it, and I I don't remember exactly how I responded to that. But I went back to my desk and kept working. Mm. And about half an hour before the close of business, it was not sitting right with me because the thing was back then, you know, when she was still relatively well rested, she never got headaches. Oh, no, sure. never, never in her life. No history. So, so you had a sense the fact that yeah, right. the fact that she was having not only a headache but a pretty severe one and a fairly mm. persistent one. Well, that so, didn't sit right. In my defense, <laughs> okay. So I had woke up with a headache. I took Tylenol and I took a warm bath, and it got better, went away. Yeah. So I said, "Oh, Rachel, you know, I'm a, I'm a, perf- I'm a great minimizer. Mm-hmm. All right, it makes me a great employee. It makes me a terrible patient. <laughs> uh, but it went away. So I thought, well, this can't be preeclampsia because my away. headache got better. It went away. So I went back to bed. Oh. Um, um, meanwhile. I, I had the feeling something wasn't right because, you know, persistent went away. I didn't know it had gone away because she didn't call me back after yeah, that. Yeah, I just went back to bed. But I knew that she had a headache and that wasn't normal and I mm. something wasn't sitting right. So I told my supervisor, hey, there's only half an hour left. Yeah. All of our work is done for the day. Can I just go? Like, something's not right. Can I just go yeah. home? So I left early and thank God I did mm-hmm. because I pulled up to the house and start walking up those steps to our, you know, the front door of our upper duplex and I hear crying from somewhere in the building. And I wasn't sure what was going on, but I walked into the bedroom and found her on the bed crying. And to shorten that part of the story, basically spent the better part of 45 minutes trying to get out of her what was yeah. wrong. Wow. And all she all she would say was, something's wrong, I'm scared, what time is it, what day is it? Oh my. Those four things so, over and over. So while he was on his way home, and by the way, the fact that he had left early, a half an hour, actually put him home an hour early because of rush hour traffic. Oh, sure. And... Um, at some point, I woke up. I, I, the headache was back. Worst headache of my life. Never felt anything like it. Mm. And I sat up in bed and had my first seizure. I felt my arm go numb, and I could see but it you were kind alone of moving. I was alone. I was home alone. Wow. And thank God I was in bed and not the bathtub. Yeah. Uh, but I had my first seizure, and then I, I don't, I don't know what. The next thing I remember is Colin walking through the door. So I don't. So that that sparked some yeah. memory, but I was completely disoriented. I I must have asked you five or six times. I can see that I'm pregnant. W- how yeah. pregnant am I? When is my due date? How many weeks pregnant am I? Wow. And yeah, what day is it? What and time is it? You were and worried. he would answer, and then I would forget that I had asked. I couldn't remember. Wow. You were wor- You were really worried about the baby too. And, mm-hmm. and so again, so this is because I my, knew something bad had happened. Right. I said I don't know what happened, but it was bad, and and I and it I had can't to be remember. So unnerving for you. It was to be very unnerving. Right. Well, that's yeah, that's where my lack of medical expertise comes in. Because yeah. I, you know, if I'd had a whisper of medical expertise, I would have just gotten her right <laughs> to the hospital. But I, I yeah. thought maybe she just woke up from a nap and was sure. disoriented until it went on for about twenty minutes and then kept mm-hmm. going. All right, something's clearly not right. But wow. I didn't know what to do. Well, and you had asked a friend to come over as mm-hmm. well. To, uh, I, at my that point, Brittany. at that point, I called her friend Brittany, who's a, she's a fairly good friend of both of ours at this point. And uh, just it was somebody, somebody else who was intelligent, yeah. cared about Rachel, and had some medical knowledge, and lived very close by. Yeah. So please, like, I need help figuring out what's going on here. Please wow. come over. And well, the the upshot of the whole thing was that we ended up calling the OSU midwife and mm-hmm. heading just advised us yeah. to head into the hospital. So mm-hmm. we got yeah. In the they car. got me calmed down enough that I was able to piece together that I don't know what happened, but I might have passed out. I I don't know, but maybe wow. that's what happened. So the midwife said, well, I don't know what's going on with you. She couldn't piece it together over the phone. She goes, it sounds like you're having a panic attack. And I was like, I have no history of anxiety. I've never in my life had a panic attack. Like, yeah. that that can't be it. And she said, well, if you think you passed out, you need to come in and be evaluated. You know, you're one of the most put-together people I know. Yeah. I think I would have a panic attack if yes. I saw, if I saw <laughs> you, you saw like, me that. Acting like that. I th- that would put me over I mean, the I was inc- I mean, I was almost inconsolable. Wow. Just hysterical. Yeah. So you guys start making your way to the Down a flight of stairs. Could you imagine walking in a clam tech down a rickety flight of stairs? No. Oh. Well, (laughs) 
so we so we got in the car and we were driving and I don't remember what we talked about. And we were supposed were to go camping lucid. that day. We were. Oh, that yeah. <laughs> we no, were. that's that's we one were. of the weird parts. So I got back. I got back, and for the first 10 minutes of this whole thing, when I'm sitting there trying to console her, I'm thinking, how long is this going to take before we can put the bags in the car? Like, we're supposed uh, to be at Camp Bob in three yeah, hours. Yeah, we're, we're like, going camping. Where we? <laughs> well, thank, you know, thank heaven that didn't happen. Because yeah. on the way to the hospital, um, I think we were at a red light pretty close yeah. to the hospital, and she just said, it's starting again. Oh, my. Yeah, I said, it's, gonna, it's going to happen and, again. Yeah, it's going to happen again. And then mm-hmm. her arm just starts doing this thing where it you know, comes up, twisting around and and her face went gray and that's when I put it together she had a seizure that's what happened I got home right after she had a seizure and here's another one having a seizure so yeah yeah this way to the hospital you don't know no (laughs) 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 no yeah we were we were five minutes from the doors of the emergency room thank you so you just kept on going yeah well sort of we were at a red light and I mean at this point it is rush hour traffic so I'm not exactly moving unless I drive up over a hedge and probably get us stuck yeah so you know I'm I'm the sort of person that can generally be okay with whatever's happening as long as there's something I can do as long as you give me a way to put one foot in front of the other (laughs) I'm gonna be all right and in that moment there was nothing I nothing could do. do. I just had uh, to sit there and watch my wife have a seizure. Except right. I did know you did enough. Turn me on my side. I did know sure enough to turn your turn you on your side and do a tongue sweep. Wow. I knew that much. And then I called nine one one, or no? Then I called Brittany and told her what was happening because I needed somebody to like give me something to do, please. Yeah. And yeah. she just said call nine one one, and that was obviously pointless because we were all we practically at the so hospital. Close to but the I mean, emergency room. again, I just needed to have something I could actually do. Yeah to yeah. keep myself focused and mm-hmm. yeah we got her to the emergency room doors and it was kind of a repeat of the scene in the yeah. bedroom at that point because you were just coming back out of it but i actually so after the second seizure i probably have a solid four to six hours where i remember not a thing and i could not tell you what that er looks like and that's wow. amazing to me because when we got you in there and they did their initial like intake assessment or whatever mm-hmm. and they took you back for i think a Cat, cat scan or something. And they as were soon scanning as you to make sure I didn't have like a concussion a or a head injury or a stroke. They, they said a brain bleed was what they were looking yeah, for. Bleed. But uh, mm-hmm. wow. yeah, so, so they got you back in there. And by the time, you know, by the time they had you there, you had calmed down and you had all of your medical knowledge at immediate recall and you were grilling the medical staff. <laughs> Over what's my, you know what's my what's my blood pressure what's my this what's my that my. <laughs> what med are you giving so me it, it, but I don't yeah. I don't remember that but at it all. blows me yeah it blows me away that you couldn't remember any of that because it's you were practically on but the now job the, yeah. the story keeps going because so you, yeah everyone figures out that you're very sick I'm mean, one you, sick lady you've got eclampsia yes um, that wasn't in your birth plan no um, <laughs> no it was and, not <laughs> and then then so how did your how did your labor and birth go yeah so I think I received just absolutely excellent care from uh, maternal fetal medicine mm. physicians they did such a great job I I mean you and I have talked about this a lot of Physicians would have took one look at me and said, two seizures, we're doing a C-section. Yeah, you, yeah before um, the hour was up. Yeah. Right, like get the baby out, get the placenta out. That's how you make it go away is you deliver the baby. Yeah. But uh, but my blood pressures, actually, only t- it only took one dose of blood pressure medicine and and a lot of magnesium through an IV. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I didn't have any elevated blood pressures after that. Mm. And so they felt that it was reasonable to induce my labor, which I was very grateful for because as a first-time mom, those inductions can be long. Um, It's not like you're going to have a baby in four to six hours. Yeah. Uh, So they got me settled. I did choose to get an epidural right away, which was radically different. From your birth plan. Right, my (laughs) water birth with a midwife. Uh, but, But the reasoning behind that was, okay, well, this is the situation. I'm at high risk for needing a C-section, yeah. and I do not want to be under general anesthesia. I want to be awake. Like, the most important thing that I want is to be awake for the birth, mm. and my best bet for that is with an epidural. And also, I can't get out of bed, right? I'm on magnesium. Right. I'm just so, post, I mean, post-dictal, right? So post-seizure, I'm disoriented. I hardly know what's going on. You know, like, Mm. why not have an epidural at that point? It just made the most sense. And so you just adapt and you say, this is what makes sense for me to achieve what's most important. Yeah. 
Um, and then, and then, oh, and then a thunderstorm set in. Actually, just to yeah. add to the well, it was, yeah, right. So the they atmosphere. got you in there. They got you <laughs> induced, and then we were kind of settling in and getting ready to sleep as much as we could for the evening. Right. And this big thunderstorm rolls in. It's like end act one. End act exposes. one. Yes. <laughs> so how long? Drama. How long did it take you to so to deliver your daughter? I delivered at three p.m. the next day. Oh, so it's still a so long so time. what eighteen hours? I suppose as they did side attack to get the cervix ready overnight yeah. uh they might have done a fully balloon catheter at one point pitocin the usual but hats off to you know to your point earlier hats off to your physicians that yes took a deep breath and said mm-hmm. maybe we could avoid a c-section right. in a first-time mom right exactly um, whereas before in, in many places it would have been reflexive it um, would have right the yeah. fear the fear would have set in and they would have said well sh- let's just do a c-section yeah uh, but like i said they were they were just so excellent yeah. Um, in caring for me. And but I had a fanta- just an absolutely fantastic nurse, too. And so you press on till the next day and then yeah. deliver your daughter. Yeah, we had a doula with us, which I was still very grateful for the doula. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I think for your support, too, right? Between Brittany and the doula, they were really the only ones talking to you. We've, you mm-hmm. know, in our conversations, that was one of the hardest yeah. parts. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a hard part for me. Uh, again, because... Here, here I don't have much that I can actually do, and I have no idea what most of the words being said actually mean. <laughs> right. I, knew, I probably so knew more than most guys because <laughs> I was married to her. Yeah. But I, you know, I hadn't, she, she wasn't even a technically a midwife at that point, so no. I hadn't learned a whole lot yet. Yeah. So who's, you know, who's explaining to me what on earth is happening? And I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing I wanted to know was how worried am I supposed to be right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I don't, I, I kind of get what's going on, but what are, what are the risks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nobody nobody was talking to me about that except, fortunately, Brittany did show up at some point and she was there to kind of talk, just just talk to me about what was going on yeah. and help me <laughs> help yeah. me have an idea of how worried I should yeah. be. I guess. You know, I always yeah. try to remember that, especially for we men types, mm-hmm. that in the absence of information, we can start to feel helpless. And generally yeah. speaking, we don't do well with helpless. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> we can start yeah. inventing things if we sure. if we don't have something. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So that must have been awful. But but the thing I'm hearing you say so loudly is, I mean, you went from really one extreme almost yes. to the opposite extreme. Yes. I mean, by grace, you didn't have a C-section, but mm-hmm. you know, from really thinking about a home birth to having to choose to get an epidural and magnesium sulfate and pitocin and all those interventions. Mm-hmm that you would have never put in your birth plan. Right. They ended up being necessary. Oh, absolutely. But you can still say something positive about your birth. Yes, <laughs> it, yeah. It didn't destroy yeah. your whole birth. No, it did not. And and as I look back on my birth, uh, you know, I felt A, safe, right? So I felt like the care that I was getting was necessary, mm. was appropriate, um, and, and, and it was just really good. It was really yeah. good medical care. So I felt safe with the people taking care mm-hmm. of me. Um, Evelyn went to the NICU that I worked in. My favorite nurse practitioner was on that <laughs> night. I, I mean, literally knew personally the people taking care of her, so I sure. felt she was safe. And that reduces trauma, right? Yeah. I felt supported, and my husband, and my doula, and my friend, and my mother, who I actually, so I was having my baby the day of my baby shower. <laughs> and uh, so my mom, and as, all, as any mother would, was getting everything ready. Oh. Getting, I hadn't set up a crib. I hadn't. I mean, I had nothing. I'd have a car seat, nothing. Sure. So she was managing all of that. So I felt supported, mm-hmm. and I was so incredibly loved. I felt that the people caring for me really cared about me. Obviously, Colin really cared about me. Yeah. Um, and, and all of that reduces trauma, and you can have a birth that, you know, just completely changes and is so complicated yeah. and still w- walk out with a really beautiful experience. And that really is, I think, our message as we go yes. through all of your labors and births. Yes. <laughs> you know, so many times you yeah. and I see patients and maybe they need to be induced and they think, well, then my birth plan's done. Right. It's but all it's over. not. No. My birth with Evelyn, it changed me more as a mother, as a wife, as a daughter, and um, empowered me more than my other two births that were, were very straightforward. And in, why, in do you, why do you think that is? I think that's because uh, to be on the receiving end of such love is so life-changing. Oh. It was, I'm an incredibly independent person. <laughs> as you have seen. <laughs> and that was the first time that I really had to lean on other people. And, you know, like wow. I said, that vulnerability set in of, wow, I'm sick. My, I felt betrayed by my body. So my body 
is not doing what it's supposed to do. I mean, I was I was a state champion gymnast in high school. My body has always done exactly what it should do <laughs> with a high degree of precision. And here it was seizing. Like, for, for why? What reason? Uh, and, and so I felt betrayed and vulnerable. Mm. But to be so loved in that moment was incredibly life-changing for me. Do you think that's why you walked away from that feeling empowered? Whereas yes. Other women might have the same experience mm-hmm. and really walk away with a lot of trauma yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and a lot of injury. Yes. Uh, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure all of those people that were loving you and caring for you, they yeah. didn't think they were doing trauma prevention. No, they but they doing, were. <laughs> they were just doing what comes natural. Yes. So yeah. I would say, you know, maybe a little bit of trauma. I think I struggled in my second pregnancy with those events. Uh-huh. Um, and it took some processing and, and unraveling. But by far, I feel positive about her birth. And and I uh, actually, after her birth, I wrote a whole page of one of the things I did to process was list, you know, all the things I was grateful for, because really there was just so much to be grateful for. Thank God I didn't seize in a tub. Thank God I didn't seize two hours away on a camping trip. Oh. You know, thank God that I had Colin, that Colin came home early, that I had my mother, that... I had a vaginal birth and good care with MFM. I mean, the list just went on and on and on and on. (laughs) And it was really helpful to write that out and just to see how much there was to be so grateful for. Not not the least of which, as I recall, is that we... Uh, we got to receive the Eucharist in the hospital. We did. Room. Actually, we Maybe did. Maybe an hour right. before she was born or so. Wow. We did. Yeah, yeah and she so. was born at the hour of mercy at 3 p.m. Wow. How beautiful is Add that? Add that to the list. Add that yeah. to the list. <laughs> I also, <laughs> this is a trivial thing, but, uh, you know, so I hadn't had anything to eat, eat or drink in a very long time. And I was insistent in my drug, drugged up state. I just was high Popsicle. six ways. And I just said, I have to have a popsicle. <laughs> and popsicle. the resident said, no. And I said, okay, send in the attending. And I send in the attending. And I said, I have to have a popsicle. I don't care what note you're going to write, but you're going to write that note, and I'm having a popsicle. <laughs> and he said, okay. And, uh, and he did. I, I requested my medical records because it's a very odd thing to have something happen to you that you can't remember. Sure. It's just this bizarre feeling. And as I'm, you know, at, at some point I eventually read through them, and there sure enough was a note about the popsicle. About the popsicle. Yeah. <laughs> I got his own note. <laughs> Few you things know, I've ever done for you made you as happy as that yeah. popsicle. popsicle. Would that all problems be solved? That <laughs> right, with an orange popsicle. But, you know, oh, back up so a little. Good. So you talked about, uh, you used the word processing. Yes. Did someone sort of counsel <clears throat> you to say, you had a major thing, you really ought to be intentional and process that? Or how did you Not How did you come to that? so much. Uh, I think I just knew that we needed to. You know, I will say... Um, so do you remember we were on postpartum that, and that doctor, yeah. we had one of the maternal fetal medicine specialists came into our room and he looked at me and he just was so human. And this <laughs> has affected how I treat my patients now. But he looked at me and he said, has anybody sat down with you and gone through the events of what happened and really uh, explained it now that you're postpartum? Now that you're not drugged up, now that you're remembering things again. Sure. And I said, no, actually. And he sat down on the ground, like on the dirty floor of a hospital room. He sat down and took as much time as we needed to go through things. Wow. Uh, from a doctor, a group of doctors that historically are in and out very quickly. They're busy. Sure. They're in high demand. Uh, but this doctor sat down on the hospital floor. Yeah. It was such a gift. Right? Think, what a blessing. That I was. think something for listeners to hear there is... Um, here in, in that in that description is this idea that mm-hmm. even what could seemingly be not quite such an exciting, you know, labor yeah. and birth story as yours, that you, you need to be intentional and maybe set yes. aside and and do a little fact checking. That's mm-hmm. why it would be nice to have mm-hmm. the medical record because your right. memory can be off and right. your spouse's memory can be off and sure. things that are little can turn into huge things in your mind yes. because you didn't get a chance to write it. Exactly, mm-hmm. or corrected, I should say. Yeah, um, and that's yeah. great that you had the chance to yes. do that. Everyone should so take helpful. advantage of that, you know, if they have it the was. chance. Yeah, I mean, just writing out my birth story of what happened to me was therapeutic. Yeah. Wow. Just to write it down, and this is what happened, and this is what I remember, and this is what I don't. And I mean, I can barely remember Evelyn being born. I have some vague, foggy memory of her <laughs> being on my chest, but but I really remember so little of the actual details. Hmm. And that plays into J- to my son James' birth because um, I remember everything with such clarity. It's I mean just such a night and day difference. 
Well, so um, you uh, you survive. Uh, I did. Evelyn's birth, and yeah. uh, you get out of the hospital eventually, yes. and your blood pressure goes back to it normal. It does. We get out of the NICU, all of that. Life goes on. Yeah, life goes and on. And it was so fun. At some point, you decided, we should really do this. Yeah, again. mere 16 months later. <laughs> <laughs> Good. We like this. Good. Yeah. So yeah. what was starting another pregnancy like? You referenced mm. it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just less than two years after going through this potentially really traumatic yeah. event. Yeah, so we were pregnant, what, six six or seven months postpartum, I well, suppose? She was born at the end of April, and we conceived him in December. Mm-hmm. Wow. So pretty quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what were we absolute. thinking? <laughs> I don't think we should say that on air. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't uh, planned, uh, say that. It was by someone. <laughs> it was maybe like a calculated risk, because whoever sure. gets pregnant the first time that they ovulate... Right. Never happens. After except having a baby. Except when it does, of course. Yeah. Right, except when it does. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think when I was pregnant for the second time, that's when I really had to encounter some of the harder feelings about my birth uh-huh. with Evelyn. Because after the birth, and, and the way that many, maybe many minimizers do, I was like, I got through it, I survived, I'm fine, move life on. is good, move on. Uh, but now I'm pregnant again, and now I'm feeling really vulnerable again of... What what if I what if this happens again? Like mm. I you know I I know what seizures can do to the body. I've cared for women with seizures that have had strokes yeah. um, due to pregnancy, and so I was scared. Yeah. I was very scared. A patient that I had years ago that sticks always stays in my memory uh, will say that she got really severe PTSD after a medical trauma mm-hmm. because she said I thought I was fine and it turns out I wasn't. Yeah. So sitting here talking to you, I think I'm fine, but maybe I'm not. How mm-hmm. do I know? I didn't know then. Mm-hmm. How do I ever know I'm fine? And I think we hear that with yes. people that uh, sort of on page two, right. this is what happens. Right. You could tell me all day long the statistic for recurrent eclamptic seizure. Didn't help. But huh? to me, it's 100% because it happened to me. Wow. And that's how it felt. Mm. And I, I was very scared. In fact, I couldn't, um, I actually couldn't, in the second and third trimester, I couldn't fall asleep without checking my blood pressure and not with an automatic cuff. It had to be a manual cuff, stethoscope in my ears. I had to hear my blood pressure wow. to fall asleep because he was on second shift, so I was home alone. Oh, wow. Every time I fell asleep, I was home alone. Wow. And I and I was scary. Um, but then actually, do you remember do you remember this? So I had how many weeks was I when I I had a dream. Maybe I was 34 weeks I pregnant or so. This. And I had a dream that um, that we were at the hospital, I'd had a baby boy, all had gone well, and, uh, and, and I remember thinking, I said, Colin, thank you so much for taking such good care of me again. And I was so grateful to him for whatever he had done. And we, uh, we named that baby, in the dream, we named the baby Joseph. And, and I woke up out of that dream with a sup- just a supernatural peace. Wow. Um, and after that night, I stopped checking my blood pressure. I didn't need to do it anymore. Wow. And um, and I just had this really strong sense that St. Joseph was watching over us and was praying for us. We, in our marriage, have a strong devotion to St. Joseph. Mm. And uh, and that was just such a beautiful spiritual moment for me. And it really uh, set my wow. fears at ease. And then as you get into the story, it becomes a little bit ironic. <laughs> well, carry on. <laughs> um, so... I, yeah, I'll, I'll do the first bit, I suppose. So I, I had a different job at this point. And like she said, I was working second shift. And this was the night, it was in September, it was the night before the biggest day of work of the year. And I get home at about midnight. And my coworkers knew she was pregnant, <clears> of course, and they'd been they'd been joking around with me. Watch, you're going to get home, you're going to crack that first beer open, it's going to be time to head to the hospital. <laughs> so I got home, and she was already in bed asleep. And I you know, kissed her on the forehead and went mm-hmm. downstairs. And I got out my Oktoberfest and my book, and I crack it open, and I pause. Okay, I'm I'm good, I'm good. And I sit there and I drink my beer and I read my book and I go up to get into bed and I get under the covers and that's when it all kicks off. Oh my. Yeah. You had woken up because you were having contractions. Mm -hmm. And and the other thing I want to put in here first is that at 6 p.m. and really every day leading up to this for about a week, 
you had been doing the same thing that you did at about 6 p.m. the same day, which is call me at work and complain how this baby is oh, never going to come out. I'm never, it's going to be pregnant forever. <laughs> I wish more that yeah. I, okay, I'm the same as the rest of you all, right? <laughs> I feel every bit as pregnant and just as sure that the baby's never coming never. out. Mm-hmm. On the phone crying, I'm never going to have a baby. My, you know, four foot tall Jewish grandmother, she said, well, Rachel, just mop the floor on your hands and knees and you'll have a baby. And I mopped the floor <laughs> on my hands and knees and was very much was still wrong. pregnant. <laughs> Well, I mean, I had the baby that night. I was going to say, not for long you weren't. <laughs> not for long. Yeah. So you had woke, uh. I remember that you woke up right about when I got into bed at roughly midnight mm-hmm. um, because you were having contractions. Mm-hmm. And you, you can pick it up from there. Well, so I slept for the first hour. You know, I said, well, I did this last night. I contracted off and on. And then I woke up and I was still pregnant. So I just, this is nothing. I'm going to go back to sleep. And, and I did. I did that for about an hour. And then they were uncomfortable enough that I got up and got out of bed and got in the shower and we labored in the shower and Colin's timing him and he's like, so when are we supposed to call again? Because these are, you know, minute and a half, like getting kind of close. And um, and we called the midwife and she said, well, you know, your first baby was preterm. You were induced. Uh, You might labor more like a first time mom. You know, it sounds like you're getting active. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to labor at home as long as possible. (laughs) She said, great, keep laboring and call me back in an hour. So um, so at that point, I'd had two hours of contractions. So we're at the two-hour mark. And I get out of the shower. And I did I demand? I think I demanded to be fed. You, I was hungry. You <laughs> went back to bed and tried to go back to sleep. And that wasn't mm-hmm. working. It was getting more intense. So you flipped onto your hands and knees for one of them. And in the middle of the contraction, you just managed to, to bark out the word grapes. Grapes. <laughs> I want grapes. So I got I her a did. bowl of grapes. Best bowl of grapes of my life. It was and so good. She finishes the bowl of grapes and the contraction is over and flips back over and looks at me. How many minutes how many minutes has it been? I don't think I have many minutes left. Oh my. Okay, why don't we get you into some clothes and we'll get to the hospital. So we start This is maybe ten minutes after we called the midwife. Start <laughs> trying to get her oh. dressed. And goes into another contraction and, you know, I'm sent back for this piece of clothing and bring that. And now she's too hot. So I go back for a different piece of clothing. And well, now that's wrong. Go get the first one again. And, yes. <laughs> and so, you know, I finally, you I, I was, I was, I think you've been in a similar yes. position. I, I was within, <laughs> I was within one more change of instructions of putting you in a garbage bag and just hauling you out the front door <laughs> at that point. Like we need to go. But I think I finally got you mostly dressed, and you decided to go to the bathroom. Well, it was a 30-minute drive. So. Right. So you decided to go well, to the bathroom. I did not want to go to the bathroom. You need mm-hmm. to pee on the way. Makes no, perfect frankly. sense. Only we never made it back out of the bathroom. No, we did not. Um, he dropped like a bowling ball through my yeah. pelvis. I went back for that I last peed. change of clothes. He slammed down. <laughs> I, w- I went back for that last crowding. change of clothes, <laughs> and she yelled from the bathroom, See, Call 911. That change of clothes. It's, it was, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. It was the warm shower, as we learned later, warm showers are uh, something geez. to be careful Maybe we of. should say to husbands, in sort of a blanket way, if, if in fact you find your wife contracting in the hands and knees position, it's time to mm-hmm. move. Grapes or no yes. grapes. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's time to get going. There's a, there's a certain change in the tenor of her voice. Like, she'll, she'll moan or complain a little bit when they start, but there's a certain change in the tenor of the voice where it starts to get a lot lower. The first time you hear that, it's time, <laughs> time to, to go. It was time to go 15 minutes <laughs> yeah, ago. Yes, probably. Yeah. So James yeah. is born in the toilet or restroom. Mm-hmm. We On my say. hands and knees in the bathroom, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Quickly, very quickly. Very quickly. Very quickly. Yes. But no seizures. You actually tease me because you say that you caught a baby before I did. I did, actually. I was in midwifery school at that point. Oh, I was and right. we had just covered delivery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he I was born right that. into your hands. He was, yep. That's amazing. Well, uh, Evelyn was sleeping. It was, well, Evelyn, and that, that still amazes me. Evelyn, one door down from this, slept through the whole thing. So you had called 911, right? So you were on the phone with 911. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I said, call 911. Like, we're not making it. Get some paramedics. Uh, we need somebody here, here in case something bad happens. And the guy on the phone, he couldn't hear you. Over me. Oh, well, I'm trying to explain <laughs> yes, the situation, and he says, I'm sorry, sir, I can't hear you with all that hollering in the background. Somewhere in the back of it, if you can hear the hollering, like, you got my address. You Send an ambulance where there's the hollering. <laughs> like, come on. So... But yeah, they they did eventually they did eventually dispatch an ambulance, and he was supposed to stay on the phone with me. Not one, two ambulances and a fire truck. Too much drama. Wow, yeah. Too much. Now every husband listening is is trying to figure out what you were thinking 
as your son is being born. What was going through your mind then? Well, it's so I, like I said earlier, I'm the kind of guy who, as long as I have something I can do, I can handle pretty much everything. And it, it helps to have, it, this might sound funny, I don't know, but it helped to have a military background because you get into a certain mental space of just, it's mission time. Uh-huh. Like, ignore the chaos, ignore the, like, ignore what's going on around you that might disturb you and just do what has to be done. Uh-huh. And it was pretty easy to just kind of slide into that. And it really helped also that, again, she was a midwifery student. She was generally highly competent and put together. So it was really easy to just put some trust in her. She yeah. was lucid. She could she could talk to me, tell me mm-hmm. what she needed. And I just, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go do what has to be done and I'll clean my hands later. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think the dirty secret is that maybe catching the baby is one of the easier parts mm-hmm. of our job. Yeah. Because usually the baby just comes out. Yeah, I think most people <laughs> would think just the opposite. Right. That there's something magical that no, we yeah, do. No, yeah, the baby just comes out. Women's right. bodies are made to give birth and babies just come out. It is designed to work, which is yes. beautiful. Um, but certainly you're... So I'm, you did a hands and knees birth in our bathroom, in um, our tiny, tiny little bathroom, well, hands mm-hmm. and knees birth. So if any physician ever tells you or midwife says, I can't catch your baby in that position. Wrong. Nonsense. And I'm sure if we could find your birth plan for this this pregnancy, (laughs) it didn't say my husband doing my birth in the bathroom. In the bathroom at 3 a.m. No, that was not the birth plan. So you must have had a sense of, I can't believe this has happened to me. Uh huh. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Help us understand what that was like. Was that traumatic to you? No. No. I mean, compared to Evelyn's birth, uh, James' birth was like a candy bowl of memories in my brain. I could remember everything. Um, I wasn't drugged up. Yeah. The hormone high was unreal. It was just amazing, yeah. you know, to actually have your hormones working as they should mm-hmm. and to feel that surge in oxytocin. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had the biggest smile. I had the biggest smile on my face. It was just, <laughs> it was just delightful. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it really yeah. was compared to how I felt. Oh, I'll never Evelyn's forget. Birth. So, so we had called the paramedics and the dispatcher <laughs> stayed on the phone with us. Yeah, I was going to ask going if they on. showed up. What happened? They did. So, <sighs> so after the dish, the dispatcher said something about get a shoelace and tie off the umbilical, and you. I was arguing these, with him on it. the phone. I said, yeah. I, that's disgusting. I'm not doing that. Yeah. He said, ma'am, you don't, you don't understand. understand. <laughs> and I said, sir, you, you don't, don't understand. understand. <laughs> so eventually I just Anyways. I just told him I did it. I didn't really, but no. I just told him I did it so that we could move on. Yeah. And uh, the, the paramedics get there and, yeah. you know, like eight, there's like eight of them. <laughs> yes. You know, it must have been a slow night or maybe they just needed to train the new guys on birth know. because eight of these guys come thundering up the stairs <laughs> into our bedroom. And, you know, two of them standing in the doorway, everybody like awkwardly trying not to look but also look and yeah. and and uh, I was uh-huh. one of them standing in the doorway says, "Ma'am, I think I can see the placenta in there. If you want to push that out the rest of the way." And <laughs> and so you know, so we're, we're I'm getting blankets from Evelyn's room and we're getting everything together yeah. to get in the ambulance and well, go. My mom and then was there at that well, point. no, she wasn't yet. That's the thing because <laughs> as this is happening, it finally occurs to me, oh crap, her mom is about to be here any minute. She's going to, because your mom didn't know this had happened. We oh, had called sure. her. We had called her, we had called her to say, hey, she we got to go to the hospital. Can, watch, can you watch Evelyn? Mm-hmm. She didn't know any of that went down. And I'm thinking, she's about to show up on the street, and there's two ambulances oh. and a fire truck and like yeah. eight, eight paramedics out there. I had better call her right <laughs> now. Yeah. So I call her, and she picks up the phone. Don't worry, don't worry. I'm about to turn onto your street. Oh, my God. What are these all for you? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. But yeah. Comes right up the stairs, cuts right through this. Cuts through him like butter. Just cuts through the room. Stands in the door with her hand on her hip. Rachel, what are you doing? What are you doing? She was scolding me. (laughs) I told you not to do this because uh, rapid birth, it actually runs in my family. She says, I told you not to do this. A scornful mother. Yes. (laughs) And you as as perky as I've ever seen you. I just had a baby, mom. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just so So you dismissed them eventually, and now you're a seizure-less... Yes. Uh, postpartum yeah. mom. And you think, so much for birth plans. Mm-hmm. So much right. for birth plans, <laughs> indeed. So the next thing I, I told her that night, the only thing now that you can do to surprise me is have a totally normal birth. I haven't accomplished uh, that. And I still haven't gotten it. So a little bit of time goes by. Um, yes. You move to Fort Wayne. A little Wayne. bit more time. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more time this time. You move to Fort Wayne, something, I a did. decision for which we're all very happy. Yes. Um, and you're blessed with another pregnancy. With baby number mm-hmm. three. Yeah. So yes. what was going through your mind at this point? I mean, you've gone, oh, you haven't even come close to a desired birth plan no. yet. No. Um, no. And I'd had, I had diabetes with James. I had diabetes with my third. 
had pelvic pain with the third. I mean, I just couldn't seem to get an uncomplicated pregnancy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe I've given up on that dream a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you, did you feel kind of fatalistic during the third pregnancy, or did you think, no, no, I'm going to get this one the way I want it? Well, I went into went into it that way, and then at 16 weeks, the pelvic pain sets in. I mean, sure. just horrific pelvic pain. And I thought, I don't even have a belly yet. How could I be in so much pain? Right. And had to start navigating that. Mm. And then thought, I am going to eat right out of the gate. I'm going to exercise out of the gate, and I'm not going to have diabetes this time. Uh-huh. And I failed the one-hour test. I didn't even bother with the three-hour. I just started checking my blood sugars. <laughs> and sure enough, I mean, it just, yeah. it was there. So, wow. uh, you know, but you just have to be resilient to that, right? You have to be adaptive to that. And uh, and there's healing to be had. The pelvic pain actually with really good care got better, not worse, mm. um, despite however big my belly got. Mm. And, uh, and, and so I find that there's hope, right? There's hope for healing. And... Mm. And that's a really beautiful takeaway that I can share with other women. It's funny. I, I mean, I often hear pregnant women in a situation just like you're describing, and they'll say something along the lines of, this is this is horrible. It couldn't get any worse. Um, oh, it could get way worse. Right. <laughs> and, and I think you actually believe that in the moment when you say that. Yes, and, yeah. And all of the reality dosing in the world yeah. to try to prove to you that it could get a lot worse yes. doesn't seem to help. Right. But why did you feel so hopeful, I wonder? Because I was being cared for by people that felt hopeful. Mm-hmm. I walked into uh, my chiropractor's office and she said, I got you. We're going to work on this. You're not going to be in this much pain for your whole pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to figure this out. Wow. I walk into Nicole Bobe's office and she's praying with me and she says, we're going to help you feel better. Uh, maybe if uh, if we were writing the story of your births, being surrounded by good people would be a big part. Oh, of it. that is yeah. the most important. I mean, the team of people that you choose to care for you is the single-handed, most important decision mm-hmm. you will make. And probably for reasons that most couples don't think of, mm-hmm. uh, right? Mm-hmm. You, they wouldn't be thinking of all the things that happened to you. Right. They would be thinking probably right. of more superficial things. Sure. Uh, but wow, it, it really made a difference for you. It did. It so you did. enter this pregnancy. You've got some bumpy starts. Yeah, things are moving along. Yeah, Pick um, up the story. so we get to thirty-five. Was it? Was I thirty-five? Which weeks? is kind of a I troubling time for weeks. you, That's right? That's a troubling time for me. <laughs> and uh, no, 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 not thirty-five weeks. Uh, with Irene, it was uh, we were thirty-eight weeks. Um, had a growth ultrasound, and she was growth restricted, um, and and with good reason. We had plenty of risk factors. Um, so listeners, that means the baby is smaller than it ought to be. Right, it's not yeah. meeting growth potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we said, okay, well. It's time to have a baby. And, uh, you know, so we were planning a birth center birth, planning a water birth, right. planning the things. <laughs> I planned it each time. And um, and now we need to have a baby. So so we had scheduled an induction, I think, maybe 24 hours later. And you said to me as I'm walking out the door, okay, now go put yourself in labor. <laughs> because if I'm in labor, then I can go to the birth center, right? right. I mean, it's not that you, you can't have a small baby there is the, it's usually that the fact that you need to have a baby yeah. requires interventions that are yeah. obtained at the hospital. Now pause for a second. So uh, that very discussion where we say to patients, your pregnancy needs to end. Mm-hmm. There's there's something afoot here. There's some right. process uh, in play. And as a result of that, it's safer for your baby to be outside of you than inside Correct. of you. Mm-hmm. You and I know a lot of times that causes some disharmony uh, yes. in families and, and people it really does. struggle to kind mm-hmm. of accept that information. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't think you're right. Does the baby really need to come out? Wouldn't it be better to just let things happen naturally? How yeah. did you cope with that? Do you remember any kind of push-pull feelings there? Oh, sure. I mean, <laughs> I think I went to the bathroom and shed a few tears. I was frustrated and disappointed and, yeah. you know, the why me questions enter into your head of why can't I seem to achieve a pregnancy? I take better care of myself than almost anybody I know. Right whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day, we have really solid information that this baby needs to come out. Mm. And uh, I don't want to wait. To me, it wasn't worth the risk of waiting to see what happened next because I know what can happen next. And uh, mm. and I agreed that she needed to sounds like come you out. sort of focused on the objective truths, yeah, and, and yeah. then let your emotions be what they were, but sure. focused on the right. And those are very human and messy and complicated, but yeah. uh, but you power you know, through. But yeah, you power through it. And and again, I had good support, right? I have my mother, I have my husband, I've got my family. Yeah. Um, I had a friend planning to come, and 
And so when you're, again, surrounded by support, you can mm-hmm. adapt. You can be flexible. You can you can change. And I've know, I know from experience that the circumstances don't dictate how I feel walking away from my birth or what I think about my birth. Uh-huh. It's, it, I mean, you could have any circumstance under the sun. And you and I see this in, in patients. Sure. They can go through really hard things and still walk away mm. with love and gratitude and a, and a heart that has a deeper capacity yeah. for loving other people. Mm. And so I just trust in that potential. And I know that the circumstances don't have to dictate what I think about my birth. Oh, that's really beautiful. So you're hoping labor will start. Yes. Uh, so we encourage labor. <laughs> we did. We encourage <laughs> <Sure>. labor. <laughs> we did a membrane sweep. I saw my wonderful chiropractor. She did a great adjustment. Because you're thinking, I'm under the gun. I've got, I've got to get I've labor. got like T minus 12 hours. Yeah, oh. <laughs> we got to go. <laughs> yeah. So some of those things were successful. They were, yeah. yeah. They were. Yeah. Uh, the, so, well... So we tried some things that night. I had maybe a few painful contractions, mm-hmm. and then I went to bed yeah. Yeah. at 3 a.m. You know, and everybody, you know, you know, and especially Marianne has preached to me, if you think even think you're in labor, you're coming to the birth center. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I wake up, and I have, a, you know, a painful contraction. So I start the timer, and I have a second painful contraction. I say, okay, if I have a third, I'm going to call. I think Becca was on call that uh-huh. night. I'm going to call the midwife, and we'll go in. And I fall asleep. Oh. Uh-huh. And uh, waiting for the third contraction. And then I wake up doing absolutely nothing. I mean, just not a thing. Now, Colin, are you aware this is happening or is this secret? Yes. Uh, um, but as she said, she's a minimizer. <laughs> so she she swore flatly uh, up into the fall, you know, that morning of that she was not really not in labor. labor. Uh, sure. No, it's and by now you'd think I'd know better, but I took her at her word. Yeah. So I You think that I knew better. <laughs> I thought I guess yeah, I guess I thought you did. Plus I knew but I, truly I was woke up doing I was, nothing. I was put into a false sense of security in oh. my defense by the fact that I knew we were going in for an induction anyways. Oh. So well, whatever. Right. we were gonna continue our labor encouragement mm-hmm. for the birth center at approximately nine AM. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, six AM. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we did one more at home. Um, if we can be frank, I mean, we had sex one more time <laughs> to try to encourage sometimes labor. That works. Sometimes that sometimes that works. Yeah, works be I really wasn't works, expecting yeah. it too, but I thought, well, it's going to be the last time for a little while. So I guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Uh, you know, and then he decides to go to the grocery store. Well, you're okay. Don't just put it out there and not explain. <laughs> yeah. Her mother was coming from out of town to yes. watch the other two, and they, we didn't have any food in the house. We didn't have food in the house. So, and he was going to go to the grocery store. I, so I went to the grocery and store. And he left me in bed watching a Christmas movie, eating breakfast. That and, was how he left me. And I came back, and the two kids ran into the house ahead of me while I was getting the grocery bags, and James came pelting back out, so he's bellowing at four me. four now. Yeah, he's he's... Four and talking quite a bit. He's got quite quite a voice on him, and he's bellowing at me. Dad, Mom needs you right now. Oh, no. oh boy, here we go. <laughs> Come in, and you know how I mentioned a little while ago about that that shift in tone. The shift in tone. Well, that had happened while I was gone. Oh, my. So uh-huh. immediately, all right, let's get you in the car. Yeah, but you were going to go feed the pigs. Because, again. You were going to go down the hill and again, feed the pigs. Again, you've got to put it in context so I don't look like a complete arse. <laughs> We, we raise pigs on our property, and I had been testing tr- keeping them in an electric fence at this point. And I knew from experience that the way to keep them from getting out was not to have a good fence, but to make sure that they were fed on time. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, what could disrupt the birth process more than getting a call from the neighbors saying that my pigs mm. are all over the neighborhood destroying people's gardens? So let's make sure that doesn't happen because she was still swearing that we had time. So all right, all right, this well, will take me been, 10 minutes. Well, it only what, 40 minutes of well, contractions? Like Maybe 40 yeah. minutes. I think every husband listening would side with you on well, that. Yes. Right. I it's mean, very, it's very logical. I very colorfully told them that that was not what not he was going. You are not, the, no. Call the... No, no. I'm going to send to call, call the, the neighbors. neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> call the neighbors. Call the neighbors. Yeah. The pigs. And when she did that, okay, I guess we're just going to have to yes. accept that the pigs are going to do what they're going to do. Uh, and you're going to do what you're going to do. So, so the kids yeah. go in the car. They get buckled back up. I get in the car. It's December 8th. It's cold. Was there snow, snow on the there ground? Was, there's snow on the ground. was coming down. And I'm, you know, getting out to the car. Colin's, you know, shortly behind me. And, and I thought, oh, shoot. I, I don't even know, like, am I going to make it to the car? So I climb in the driver's seat and have just a rip-roaring contraction. The baby descends. I've got the slight urge to push. 
I hollered apparently because James <laughs> because James starts bellowing I was, for, for I was again. Dad! just coming out the front door <laughs> and I heard him from inside the car, Dad! like panicking. Oh my! And uh, so bolt, bolted into the car, threw that thing in reverse. I climb across the yeah. seat into the passenger seat. Tore off down the driveway. Pants come off. And yeah, by the time by the time I turned left onto our street, pants were off. And there's so the part of our street that we live on, there's an almost ninety degree curve right at the end of it. Yeah. And she took one look at that and thought I I'm not making it. The curve. Yeah. I'm not making not it. Not making it around that curve. And I had a whole Told kit, me. by the way. Like I was prepared for I did the oh, best car yes. birth. Oh. Which the best car we birth. should talk about that in terms of birth plans because we'll yes. we'll get to that. But we, they, you know, I'm not making it past that curve. Colin, pull the car over right here. And uh, you're like, here we, we go again. Yeah, you're, I, thought, you're, I thought, here we go again. We we failed again. How <laughs> did we manage? <laughs> At least we made it into the car this time. We, but we did. Made it's it, progress. Made it all the 50 feet down our street. You would think the midwife street. would know when she's in labor, but she does not. Oh, my. And no, so there you the went, bathroom, no. went and popped, <laughs> popped Irene out in the passenger seat of our Odyssey. And the funny thing, too, yes. is that as right as like right after she slid out, another car came up the other way. Mm-hmm. And it was one of our neighbors who just so happened to have been an L&D nurse at one point. Mm-hmm. So she pulled over and piled all of these blankets into our yes. car for <laughs> us. <laughs> it was wow. quite a shock for her coming around mm-hmm. the bend in the road. I mean, I think she came around like as I was pulling Irene up onto my chest. Oh, what timing. Yeah. Wow. And so you have another exciting birth. Yeah, we leave 911 out of this. That turns out it just was not worth it, really. And uh, so we just kept driving. Mm -hmm. I called Marianne. I said I had the baby. She said, I told you not to do that. I'm like, you're the second woman to tell me not to do that. (laughs) Sure. Wow. So next time we're renting a Winnebago and living in the parking lot. That's what they say. That seems reasonable. That's what they say. So, uh, you know, as we as we get to the, the end of this chapter of the story, yes. something tells me there's many more chapters. I but, think so. Uh, but as you get to the end of this chapter, you know, what are the what are the takeaway lessons about about birth planning and about things changing? Uh, I would say make a birth plan so mm. you know what you what you do want. Sure. Uh, and then be adaptable. So the plan's got to have flexibility. It's got to have flexibility. Yeah. I think where uh, where women and families run into trouble is when they're so s- stuck on this one plan that they've not thought about the other possibilities. Yeah. And there's so much fear of change that that fear is what creates trouble. But mm-hmm. when you're adaptable, when you have an open heart, and when you've chosen um, providers that make you feel safe, a birth team that leaves you feeling supported, you're going to walk away having been so well loved that no matter what happens, um, my hope would be that there would still be this really beautiful birth story to tell mm. despite the changes and and whatever else has happened. Well, I know that both of you are people of strong faith. Mm-hmm. And as you think about that, how has how do you think your faith has affected this journey to to parenthood and how has this journey to parenthood affected your faith? Hmm. Um, I think that kind of touches on what I, you know, if you'd asked me what my advice was for planning, what I would have said was don't focus on specifics, focus on principles. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, I, you know, I, I, I get that idea because of, I think, my, my, raise, my having been raised in the faith. It's, it's have, your, have your first principles in order. Mm. And that really changes the way that you see everything that happens to you. And we were, you know, I, like, like we said with Evelyn's birth story at the beginning, um, I too, you know, I came out of that. That could have easily been a horrible memory. Mm. I will never, as long as I live, get the image of her having that second seizure out of my head. I'll never yeah. be able to scrub that from my memory. And yeah. yet somehow... That that whole story is actually an overwhelmingly positive memory for me. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that is because I'm able to place that in a context of faith. Of it, faith. it completely Absolutely. changes yeah. the way that you see everything. And it, it allows does. you to find the things to be grateful for mm-hmm. rather than to and focus we don't, on what we don't have get. to fear suffering. Mm-hmm. As Catholics, as Christians, we don't have to fear suffering. Mm. There's value. Yeah. Right, because Christ redeems everything. Mm. And while he might not intend for our suffering, he sure can redeem it mm-hmm. if we open our hearts to that possibility. Yeah. And there was great value in going into that suffering together. You know, for, mm-hmm. for you know, for me especially, having not been the one that personally went through it, um, the, uh, the opportunity to go into that suffering with her 
Um, you know, you you use yeah. the phrase something about expanding your heart early. I think that's really yes. well put. That that is exactly what that does. It taught me how to love other people. Yeah, and for me, being able to enter that suffering with you and walk through it with you did that for me. Yes. Yeah, and we learned how to love each other <laughs> mm-hmm. better. Right, and how beautiful can, is that, yeah. right? How empowering is that? I don't think about it very often, but every once in a while it does occur to me that our relationship now would probably be very different if oh. our first birth experience hadn't been what it was. Sure. Well, so. Sure, right. It really, I think it strengthened us mm-hmm. as um, as a couple, and it strengthened our faith. Yeah. Well. Right? And, so and come it, to find out it it's not the water birth that makes you an empowered woman. Right. <laughs> and, and, and to, you know, kind of bringing it back around to the main question, it is because of the faith mm-hmm. that that was a strengthening experience. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to be able to see these things in their proper context and have your right. first principles laid out. Yeah. And that's and how beautiful in James' story, which I'm still a little salty that he's not named Joseph, by the way, but uh, <laughs> he says that the next boy can be named Joseph. Oh. Uh, but how beautiful to be sent such a gift from God in the form of a dream. And, you know, and in the Bible, actually... Uh, um, Joseph is one of the only people that's communicated with via dream, both Old Testament and New Testament Joseph. Sure. So to have such a powerful spiritual experience that brought such peace, I mean, mm, glory to, to God, that. right? It's yeah. hard to top that. Well, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing set of stories. It is. And I know <laughs> listeners have been both entertained and informed and empowered mm-hmm. uh, just by listening. Thank you for sharing it. You are so welcome. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Ray. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this discussion as much as I've enjoyed listening to it uh, and bringing it to you. Um, do you have a story that you'd like to tell, even if it's not as colorful uh, and as, as exciting as this one? We'd love to hear from you. You can email me at drstroud at fertilityandmidwifery.com. That's D-R-S-T-R-O-U-D. You can message me directly, 260-450-8878. We'd love to hear from you. And a very special thank you to our friends here at Spoke Street Media, without whom this podcast would just be impossible. You can see an amazing collection of authentically Catholic content at spokestreet.com. Check them out. You will not be disappointed. So thanks again for listening to us at All Things Women's Health. I hope you'll tell your friends to like and share the podcast, and I hope you'll join us again for a future episode. We look forward to having you. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Stroud.